Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to Home Education Matters. I am joined today by Gemma Zoe Smith, who is going to be talking with me about times tables and how to approach them as a home educator. And I have a lot of experience of this, so I'm quite looking forward to talking about this. Um, But first of all, before we launch in, hello, and do tell us a little bit about yourself and your tuition background, teaching background, and all your experience with home ed. All right. Uh, so, yeah, thanks ever so much for having me. Uh, my name is Gemma Zoe Smith. I I come at home ed, I suppose, from a bit of an unusual background in that I currently do not have children. And I'm going to be really honest and say that <laughs> straight away. Um, but when I do, I do plan to home ed. So it's something that's very clear in, in my mind. Um, I qualified as a secondary science teacher a couple of years ago, well, a, long, a bit longer than that now. But tuition is very much where I sit. So I believe in a in a one-to-one in a very bespoke model of, of education. And that is where I come at home ed from. I have worked with home educators and homeschoolers over in the US probably for about eight years um, in a variety of different ways in that Certainly for some of my students, they are homeschooling. So they are doing school at home. And uh, for some of them, they world school as well. So they're traveling whilst doing so. Um, And I'm really fortunate in that sometimes I go out and I see them physically. So I will travel with them. Um, And then others are home educated and I will come in and work with them for short amounts of time. So I've, I've got some home editors. Um, here in Oxfordshire, which is where I'm based, and and they will uh, either come to me or meet with me online, and we will we will tackle not necessarily the curriculum because again it depends on a on an individual's choice, but we will we will especially in math, which is kind of the area that math and science is very much my thing. Um, so we will we will tackle it so that they. Either they're going down an interest-led route or they're thinking about doing a qualification or it really depends. Um, So I kind of go across quite a broad range, I suppose, from those that are fully schooling at home to those that are uh, choosing and and really going down their own interest path. And you cover a few different age groups as well, do you? Yeah, I do. Um, So... (laughs) again it's maybe more unusual as a tutor to do so but because I work with families who will um the families sometimes that I work with will be abroad will be traveling and will want somebody who can go with them and therefore I end up doing quite a wide range of ages and a quite wide range of subjects so often if I'm working with a family and they're Often what happens is, is they've taken a year out of school or they've decided that they're going to do a, a fairly complicated family move and they're going to take them out for a, a little bit. But they still want, often with, with those families, they still want to reintegrate later on into schooling. Um, so I end up doing the whole family. And so I will work with students from probably about seven all the way up to around 16. And again, a fairly wide range of subjects because 
if you're if you're taking someone with you on that kind of journey you want to make sure that they can cover lots of things but math is always a common so everyone mm. in some form ends up doing some math with me um even if they don't necessarily know that they're doing it uh, sometimes when they first will start which is the fun bit for me because I get to sneak I get maths to, in exactly I get to do that I get to I get to do the fun bits of math that you don't normally get to do when you are you're having to work towards a particular qualification or when you're teaching in a school it's not you know you don't get to do that fun interest-led bit which for me as a tutor is really fun I really I've yet to encounter fun maths so <laughs> So I've, I've managed to teach both my children maths all the way through and I've not encountered fun maths. <laughs> so I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> I love math. <laughs> Someone's got to though, haven't they? <laughs> so times tables, I think teaching times tables is one of those that I think I have used the most time, energy and money on resources when it comes yeah. to times tables. My son learnt times tables the old fashioned way using a little Kumon flick chart thing he had with all of yep. it and he just read them to Goes himself and, and two and weeks through. later he memorized them all my daughter who's dyslexic refuses to remember anything that she considers boring which is all maths facts and so as a result even now and she's 14 and studying her GCSEs even now she cannot remember certain aspects of her times tables and I have put a crazy I even wrote an entire story a whole storybook based on characters that were numbers yep like interacting with each other and I've done every single resource there is available for times tables there's nothing I haven't tried for times tables and she still doesn't know her times tables so please help us because it's not <laughs> always that it's some, some children they love it right some children they just fly yeah. and others you know it can be years and years and I find with the curriculum that I that we were blocking ourselves because she she couldn't remember her times tables. so for about two years we never really went anywhere with maths because we were just stopped at this time's tables and then after a while I just thought you know what she's not going to remember them so I'm just going to move on so and let her use going. a calculator yeah yeah keep going so I like to start times tables as early as possible and I think that's something that school doesn't really do um, what sort of age are you talking there uh from 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 go <laughs> like four or five yeah four yeah five. yeah so really early on because if we can start making associations between things like pairs then you can start to see how the times tables impact real life one of my favorite things to do with students which is maybe a, a, a recommend to do is to, is to take take your children shopping because it's exactly where you find multiples of stuff so you get bags of oranges and bags of oranges come in a six or a 12 or a and you can say okay well let's let's get two of them and count them and you're using those skills from really early on um and you can you can increase the difficulty you can say oh you know each one of these costs me three pounds so how much is it going to cost and so you're using using math in real life is something that is really important I think the earlier you start a child with that the better it is because the more natural it becomes so with that yeah shopping shopping mm -hmm. often comes in and also when you're at home things like baking things like um, making sure that you are scaling recipes. So again, with lots of my students, I bake pizza and I will make uh, cakes with them and I will say to them, oh no, I've only got the recipe. With a bit older this time, but you know, oh, I've only got the recipe for four and we want to make 
12. So what am I going to need to do? I'm not anti-calculator, I think is is probably it as well. In that I will, when I work with a student and we're using those times tables, so we've put down there's two eggs for uh, two eggs for, for to serve four people and now we need to scale it up and we need to make to serve 12 people if there's a calculator on hand and it helps them to feel better they know what they're doing so right okay first of all what's the sum that you're putting in the calculator then what do you think the answer will be then let's check the answer and by using those different steps it helps them to gain that confidence they're not feeling like oh you know i i have to do it and if it goes wrong then it's my fault um and i can tell what they're doing so physical manipulatives are probably the biggest thing and by that i mean just things things that we can move like eggs if you are saying they come in pairs you can pick them up two two by two and say right okay they, when i teach some of my some of my homemakers um when i've seen them it's usually the first time that they see math sometimes with me and so I talk when I talk about times table I talk about buckets um, and I say okay I've got a, one bucket full of two eggs and I need two buckets how many are there in the two buckets and I will bring along little like sandcastle buckets and we'll put stuff into them so they can physically see it they can back it up and then they could use it and that also helps between the whole maths is pointless why am I learning this because you can if you can physically see it work then it helps to be able to link it to real life so that's probably one of the one of the big ones you mentioned that you sort of you ask them what the sum is that they would put into the calculator then they estimate what they think the answer is going to be and then they do the calculation I find that my daughter really struggles at the first step which is, you know, working out where she plugs the numbers in. Like, is it 12 divided by four or is it yep. four divided by 12? And and is there any kind of helpful route to help that? Language, I think, makes a big difference. So when we first of all talk to students about math, we use divide. We use words that we don't normally use in conversation. And that can confuse them, I find. Um so even with some of my older students, I've, again, I, I've got students who are taking GCSEs who are home educated. Um, we won't necessarily always say divide, we'll say split. Mm. So I need to split 12 into four. And what I mean by that is, I'll, I'll go one step further, I need to split 12 into four buckets. Mm. So I've got 12 things and I'm putting them in four buckets. And if they can explain that to me, then I have... Like a, again a visual cue so a, a little poster which says 12 in this many buckets and sticking like velcro numbers that's the one so if you can put your i've got 15 and i need to split it into three buckets then this is what it should look like as a divide it's 15 divided by three because i'm mm. splitting it into those buckets so being able to link the language that we normally use because often when they feel like they're forced to put down a sum they panic mm. I find anyway mm. um and that means that, that you kind of get the rabbit in headlights and then you usually get that I don't want to do it and then this is stupid and, and then we're gone it's too far I can't come back <laughs> whereas if we discuss it with them and I say okay right you know and I will set out I've got 15 pencils what do I need to do and if they can show me right 
you're splitting, you're physically splitting it. Okay, right. Now I know that you understand it. So then it's moving it from everyday language into math language. Mm -hmm. So if you know that they can split 15 into three buckets and that's the way that they're thinking about it, then having that little poster, that little visual reminder to say 15 divided by three is 15 split into three buckets, then that can just help them to remember it whilst they're going through sums, whilst they're going through kind of questions. So I get the impression that you, that when you're teaching times tables or multiplication, that you're also teaching division at the same time. Is that how you do it? Multiplication and division, they go together for me because otherwise I find that you're teaching the same thing twice. (laughs) Multiplication tables, I might as well do it with, I might as well do it alongside a division because I don't see them as separate skills and Again, it's something that with home ed, you get you get the opportunity to not necessarily follow a age related curriculum. And I, I particularly when I when I teach home ed, they're often not at the age that they would be in school. Um, mm. I teach some that are way ahead and I teach some that are needing support. Um, and I think multiplication division is something that got split in school. Um, and often we find that long division is the bit that everyone hates because because it is it's on its own, it's taught on its own, it doesn't seem like it relates to anything else. Whereas if you put multiplication and division together and you can become fluent with using them, then as you said at the start, it opens up everything else because sometimes it's not about the memory of multiplication, it's about the use of it, being able to master the skill of timesing up and dividing down can help you to work out what you need to do in word related problems in other areas of math and yeah so I combine them when I when I teach them and at what point would you bring in learning by rote when it comes to multiplication tables or would you not I do it depends on the student for me so interestingly you mentioned your daughter's dyslexic is that correct mm. Yeah, I'm dyslexic as well. And so the whole memorizing something, learning something, it can be tricky. I I find I actually quite enjoy getting things into my long-term memory and I kind of see it as a challenge. And I have a lot of memory techniques. As a kid, I was really interested. That was the thing I was interested in was how can you memorize a deck of cards? How can you do that? They're all those memory tricks. And I find that those can be quite fun in terms of learning something um, just for the sake of, of memorizing it. In terms of memorizing a multiplication, I I rarely do it, um, especially if I'm trying to think about the way that I would do eight times table, because eight times table is the one that most people will struggle with. Mm. Um, and often i instead of mem instead of memorizing it wrote as in one times eight is eight two times eight is 16 i will help students to memorize certain bits of it Mm. so 10 times eight is 80 should be okay because we stick a zero on the end one times eight is eight should be fine double eight is 16 should be okay five eights that's half of 10 so half of 10 is 40 
half of 10 times eight, which is 80 is 40. And so then you've got one, two, five and 10. And then you've got that tricky bit that people hate, which is the seven times eight, eight times eight and nine mm. times eight. And with that, you can you can rote learn it. I don't. Instead, what I do is I work on a step up, step down. So I say to them, again, it's a it's a visual thing. Imagine that you're standing on the 80th rung of a ladder. How many do you need to step down to go to nine times eight? How many do you need to step up to go to 11? And get them to work out skip counting. So can you do nine times from 10 times? And then sometimes students will turn around and say to me, but Gemma, I'd, I'd rather just know it. And that's the point that I bring in rote. When mm. a student has said to me, I'd rather just remember it. I don't want to have to do this kind of step up, step down. But I'd, as, a, as a math teacher, I'd rather that they know the mathematical principle behind it because then they can work out 14 times eight if they really want, because at some point rote runs out. But when it comes to rote learning, Again, I tend not to do it as eight times seven is this, eight times eight is this, eight times nine is this. Instead, I'll do it via rhyme or via dance, something that's going to create a bigger memory than mm. just standing up and reciting. So I ate and I ate till sick on the floor, eight times eight is 64, is a one that I... <laughs> I bet that's popular with the students. <laughs> yeah, So, but it helps you to remember eight eights and, and therefore, if I can remember eight eights and then you can work out nine eights, um, you can do it that way. You can do it as, as some of my students have like a little dance that they do for it, where because it's podcast, I can't show you it, but it's uh, it involves a lot of wiggling for eights. <laughs> but again, you you see them using it, and even if even if they're doing it whilst they're thinking about, okay, I'm doing eight, I'm doing times eight, and then I've got this, and you've got like sixty four coming out, and and they can remember it through that through that movement. It helps again. It just helps with memory. When I was really young, and I was interested in learning a deck of cards the biggest thing that I remember reading was make it big make it memorable so just like I ate and I ate till sick on the floor that's got a really interesting image to it mm. everyone can think of it and the same thing with a dance everyone can think of the shape that it makes or you know if, if that's the way that you learn then, then that helps you to remember so rather than your kind of simple just write down and and it all looks a bit similar to me. Um, I prefer to do something that is big, that is bold, and that they might only remember one bit of it, but that's an extra one that you can add to your to your wheelhouse. Yeah, and as you say, if you know eight times eight, then theoretically they can work out seven times eight and nine times eight from that. Yeah, yeah. So then you you've got, and if you need six lots of eight, then you can go from five lots of eight. Mm -hmm. So if you can work out how to get up and down then you might take a little bit longer than someone who has wrote memorized it. And that is true. You you will spend longer on it. And that is an advantage of rote learning. But for somebody who's really struggling to rote learn, then just saying to them, right, you've got these six things that you've learned, six parts of the times table, go up, go down, can sometimes feel like a big relief. Is there a point at which you would just sort of ditch off times tables and say do you know what we're not going to get this 
or would you keep keep plowing on until they've got them all oh there's a question I've had I've had I've had this issue with one of my students you see <laughs> so mm. one of my students really struggles with times table we've worked a bit on it and this year she's chosen to do to start to do the the math GCSE they weren't sure they were going to do any exams um and so it wasn't something that we we put a lot of emphasis on because we we worked through manipulatives and we worked through use of math in other areas but now that she's doing the GCSE the knowledge of times tables and, and being able to recall them becomes a lot more important and what I have done is I have we know the majority of them I don't know all of them but again as long as they know what to do and here we've been quite um specific with the GCSEs that we're taking so we're using calculator based mm. um that is again if she knows what she's going to put into a calculator then I'm happier for that I do like to bring it in because I think it's a useful skill to have but for some students if it's not going you know they're not going to they're not going to use math beyond a GCSE they are very happy with using calculator. They're very confident with what it means. Then I'm I'm less worried about, yes, they know up to 12 times 12. Because if you know how to work it out and you know the math like principles behind it, then for me that that helps. And I know that there'll be some people out there going, no, I absolutely think that they should know to, up to 12 times 12. And and there are there are many te many teachers out there that would would think it's heresy that that someone doesn't <laughs> but for me math should be something that you can apply and so if you know what you need to apply for example in GCSEs there is a bit in certain specs where you have to memorize cos of certain angles I don't memorize them I learn them before I go into an exam and then write them down because it's not relevant to my day-to-day -day life and so I don't see why I would learn them I'm very much like your daughter there. It's uh, it's not relevant to me, so I'm not going to memorize it. I think, you know, for some students, it's useful. For some students, it's not. As long as you can move past it, I think, as long as you can do it, you know what you need to put into the calculator, you know, what you need to split into the buckets, you know, what you need to, like, where whereabouts estimation, it's right. So, again, what kind of, numbers is it near is it near 60 is it near 50 and that way you can check your answers I'm going to go out a little I don't think it's it's needing to be memorized mm, I think as well it's that it's that fine line isn't it between between your child um, knowing maths facts and enjoying maths and there comes a point I've noticed teaching maths myself to my daughter that there comes a point where I'm in danger of totally alienating her from the subject just in order to get her to to know sort of six or seven times tables that she perhaps doesn't know when she knows all the rest of them exactly that's why I think if you can work it out there's less point pushing for it especially if they can get round it I think as long as you can get round it in, in most areas that's that's probably the way that I feel about education education for me isn't memorizing a whole load of facts it's learning and that's different to to memory and so I would 
I I'd be really disappointed if a client, a student of mine, came out and they said, you know, I don't understand what I'm doing, but I've memorized it. And I'd rather it be the other way around. I do understand what I'm doing, but I haven't memorized it. So yeah, I think that's yeah, that's the way I fall on it. We interrupt this broadcast to remind you to like and subscribe to our podcast. And don't forget to join our Home Education Matters Facebook group, where you can find details on all our podcasts, any links or resources mentioned, chat to our guests, request upcoming podcasts, and even come on the podcast yourself. Do join us over there. One thing I found was that we were very happy to ditch off times tables ultimately, but when we got to fractions, she got very stuck on lowest common denominators because she just she couldn't see a number like 64 and instantly know what sort of numbers would go into yeah. it because she didn't she hadn't got that memorized. And so I I mean, obviously ultimately we're doing the calculator exam. And so I said, look, just use your calculator. But it that for me is felt like a bit of a failure because I, I wanted her to be able to see that kind of pattern between numbers. I think the pattern part, so in, in terms of kind of com lowest common denominator, being able to cancel fractions, I would always I would say if you, if you can do it with a two, if you can do it with a three, again, it's going to take you longer. Mm. And again, it's about explaining to a student, especially when they're that age, that it's a time thing. So if they want to put the time and the effort into memorising rote learning, doing it every single day, standing in front of the mirror and reciting it. And, and that is very much what you can do. You know, a great memory technique is to have one room in your house that is for every single times table. So you might have the front garden, which is the five times table. You might have the living room, which is the three times table. Every time you go through that door, you say the times table. It gets really repetitive, but it, it can be a great way of associating it. Um, if you associate it with different places, different numbers, different all sorts of amazingly fun memory techniques. Or when you go and do your, your division for, for fractions, you have to start at a two yeah. <laughs> instead of starting at an eight. And that is that's you eventually you'll get to the same answer, but it's going to take you longer. And mm. that might mean that in an exam you you lose time on that bit. Um so it's it's a way up between different different styles um someone who is very fluent with their times tables will find those questions easier and will be you know quicker on them but it's at that point I, I do think it's there is an individual learner's choice whether they choose to memorize the whole thing another thing that I do with my students is um we have what we call a, a one sheet so a one sheet exists uh, before you take any exam, short term memory, anything you can write on one piece of paper. So for GCSE math, actually, it comes up quite a lot. Circle theorems is usually the thing that they write on their one sheet. Mm -hmm. Can't remember it all. Um, those cos, sine, tan values, if they have to memorize them. Um, sometimes the, the names of alternate angles, angles in a parallel line. And then I say to them, look, you know, open the paper, write them down. Because that way your short-term memory is going to deal with it and you're going to be able to do the paper and you're not going to have to keep it in your head for that long. And if that is that you've got four times tables that you need to, or four lines of, of multiplication that you need to remember, 
then that can easily be written down in an exam and moment that anyone says start the exam you can turn over and write it down so there's always ways around it the easiest way is is to memorize them but if you're finding that there's a student who really is resistant against it and they're really struggling with it for me that the self-esteem and making sure that they've got the confidence to answer math and I want to do away with that just by saying you have to you've got to do this and and forcing them to to memorize a times table is there value in doing times tables every day and if so how long would you do that for I love doing them every day, <laughs> especially <laughs> with younger students. But we do it via music and dance. So again, it's about memory making. And so we will pick, um, and I'm thinking about a, a specific student here. I had, uh, a, as I said, a, a teaching families usually. So I had all three uh, students and, and they were um, they were home educating for a year. So and I was brought in as a, as a tutor for them. And the youngest one was struggling with times tables. So every day we would put on this, you can get them on YouTube, times table songs. Mm. Um, and we'd dance around pre-breakfast. So we'd pick one, we'd do it, we'd go through it a couple of times and we'd try and involve some of the other members of the house. He had older brothers and uh, <laughs> oh, it's not very cool. I was like, yeah, <laughs> but you're going to do it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and so again it's familiarity and so if they can put any type of memory to it you know I they can put the memory of dancing before they before they eat breakfast again make it fun make it memorable and yeah I I enjoy it but the moment it becomes a chore then it's not really worth it because again as you said you get you get the pushback and you get this point where a student doesn't want to learn and often they if they associate those times tables just with math it becomes a nightmare to teach math even if the math you're teaching has nothing to do with the multiplication stuff it can still be a barrier so I try and separate them as well so I try and think of times tables as its own little thing and um, so you can get there's there's a cool book out there about it's about how you use your hands to do times tables so you can you, know, you can do the 11 times tables purely with your hands. You can do the eights and the nines as well. Um, and again, we might take one of those, but we would do it separate to doing math just because if that's the bit that they're struggling with, I don't want them to be associating times mm -hmm. tables and math. We separate them quite often. Yeah, I think that's very good advice because it took me a couple of years with my daughter to disassociate her negative experiences with times tables from maths generally and and annoyingly she was very bad at memorizing times tables but she's very good at maths and it took her a long time to yeah. recognize that because she associated maths only with times tables yeah yeah so doing them separate having a separate times table time can be really useful because then you can put as much energy and effort into times tables and then you could go away and do other maths um yeah. and other math is is fine and and showing them that they can do it often that confidence helps because they they can take that confidence of you know what I can do this I can I can do math especially once they realize that it is possible then they can take that confidence through and and apply it and there's there's all sorts of other things that I suppose I do with math that and and multiplication as well is, is things like if you're doing history 
and they're really into history um using timelines to say oh look okay that happened in a series of four years or this happened and then this happened and then this happened and oh look they make a pattern so again kind of linking it back if they're into um if they're into particular computer games you can work on um sequences and you can do sequences in in um different kind of minecraft um games and, and looking at okay well if the most recent one that i've been doing with student is trading so if three of these goes to make one of these so if i have three wheats and they go to make one corn one one sheep sorry then how many wheats will i need to make two sheep so just again changing it up and making it less about the multiplication and more about the area of interest or mm. the area of focus um in something else as well and so when you approach tuition you would find out what the pupils interests are and then sort of tailor your lessons around that yeah 100 percent. that for me is the best bit about tutoring because it's the best bit about home education to... in fact yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the reason i want to home ed because <laughs> uh, because the idea that you can you can base a whole not, not not even just a whole lesson it can be a whole project it can be it can be the backbone of of any learning experience relating it to an interest or relating it to one of many interests i love i love when i travel with students and if we're traveling we see something that's new and then being able to link that into um, with my older ones sometimes geography science math and linking a whole thing together and saying, remember when we saw this, you know, remember when we did this and linking that back to something that you're learning is, is the fun bit. It's the bit where you can, and you can link math in there as well. Um, people kind of shy away from math because they feel like it's not part of that experiential learning, but it can be. So, you know, working out the, the price of admission to a museum, working out the price of two people's admission to that museum, what if we had four people in our party and then you know if you're going abroad or you're looking at other countries looking at the exchange rate and looking at i i recently have been with a student of mine i've, I've been looking at weimar republic um and looking at hyperinflation Dawes plan and marshall plan and, and all that in history and really going into hyperinflation again there's a whole load of math in there mm. where the value of something drops you get a bit of economics in there but you also get a whole load of math and so you can say oh an egg used to cost this amount and then it did cost this amount how much have we increased by a factor of what so it can always be interlinked it's just often i feel like a curriculum doesn't necessarily do it so it does require an educator to go in and for you to to go go in with the with the idea of okay I'm going to link this um I'm going to link these subjects together and I think that's something that home editors are, are really good at because you've got an overview of, of your child's education so if you know what they're doing across every level then you can link everything together I think a lot of that comes back down to confidence, doesn't it? Because a lot of parents don't feel confident enough in their own mathematical skills to then be able to sort of go to these ticket booths and, and know what the answer would be. So can they help their child through that? 
pretty calculator. <laughs> it's always <laughs> it's, on your but, phone, isn't it? Let's yeah, face it. exactly. And and it also then it it normalizes estimation. So if you can if you can round up, round down, estimate and say make it into a game, make it into a, a, a guessing game, really. Who can get closest? So who can get closest when we're in the queue before before we're at the point of of turning up to the ticket booth who can work out how much it would cost who gets closest to it and take part in it yourselves because i think there's there's a there's a there's a view in home ed sometimes that you know i if i can't do it then i can't teach it but if you asked any math teacher well they're in the queue for cinema they won't be able to work it out because everyone's human and everyone makes mistakes and so being able to show your children that aspect as well you know that that sometimes there's strengths strengths within each of us about what we can work out what we can't and and helping them normalize that I think is a a useful lesson yeah and I think a lot of that as well is countering that sort of that perfectionism that pupils or that children sometimes fall into where they feel like if they don't know everything straight away, then bin the whole thing off and yep. rubbish at it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you can show them that actually I, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't know how to do it either, or I'm going to take a little bit longer. And then it helps, it helps to show them that, that everyone gets there when they work on it and, and everyone has those different strengths you know, as I said right at the start, English isn't my isn't my wheelhouse, but I still I still will work alongside students. Um, when I'm doing GCSE work, I do the paper with them, um, so they can see what my answer would be. And my answer is often wrong because because I have I'm not perfect because no one is. But by seeing my answer and seeing their answer, then they can see okay, that's how we'd work it out. There, there's no there's nothing wrong in, in being wrong and I think that's for me that that's useful to show people um so so I will I will do all the GCSE exams I do them every year <laughs> it's uh <laughs> I do them alongside my students and often you know we're getting to the point where we want to get to the point where, where a student's better than us because mm. at that point they're ready for an exam and exactly. we, haven't, we haven't learned it the way that they have so let's get them to the point where they're where they're better well, that's perfect. Thank you so much, Gemma. And Gemma will be joining us in our Facebook group, our Home Education Matters Facebook group. So if anyone listening has any specific questions they'd like to ask her, do come on that group and then she can help you Absolutely. out in any yeah. way then. And where can people find you if they wanted to online, Gemma? Do you have a website, Facebook groups, that kind of thing? Yep, we do. Um, so I run a, a tuition agency. It's called The Education Hotel. And so people pretty much if you type the education hotel into anywhere we should pop up me personally on instagram i go as top travel tutor uh, and that's mostly when i travel with clients you'll see the bits that i do there those are probably the two best ways uh to to get hold of me very nice will you be world schooling your children when you have your own little home ed children i'll be home editing um i'm not sure whether we'll have the funds to world school um <laughs> but we will be it will be well the hope is that that it will be a a bit different i suppose to school in terms of emphasis my partner is a musician um i obviously teach but 
we put a bit more emphasis on the arts um, mm. and a bit more emphasis on uh, the world around us. And so I have some slightly different lessons than than the norm. Um, photography is one that has been has been uh, discussed before. And again, you know, introducing things like multiplication from a really young age, those types of things are things that I think I'm quite clear about wanting academics to be kind of integrated with our lives, but also for there to be additional opportunities to to be maybe more artistic, to to develop those skills compared to to being in a in a traditional school. Cause we we're very lucky to be able to have that experience for both of us. We're, we're lucky to have enough instruments to have a whole entire orchestra in my house. But uh, <laughs> so uh, hopefully we'll be able to provide that kind of experience. And I'd love I'd love to world school them. And it's definitely something that I'm quite keen on. But uh, we'll have to see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I world schooled my children for about 10 years and it was wonderful. So, But we didn't have our own tutor, alas. That would have been really nice. <laughs> I was the travelling tutor. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gemma. That's been wonderful. And I uh, look forward to seeing you on the Facebook group. Oh, brilliant. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day. Bye.